Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Join Tyler and his team as they unlock the secrets to achieving financial independence through wealth building strategies inspired by Robert Kiyosaki and other thought provoking leaders. Learn to build leveraged streams of cash flow that land in your pocket and improve your quality of life. Gain access to cutting-edge ideas that will increase your productivity and streamline your success. Find out how to supercharge your retirement plan so you won't have to retire with a pay cut. You can escape the rat race. Are you ready? It's time to Learn to Earn with Tyler Sheff. Welcome to the Cashflow Guys podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, it's that time again. It's Friday morning. It's 6 a.m. I'm probably still in bed, being realistically, or I'm out fishing, but my show is available for you guys to listen to. It's another week to learn to earn. Today, I've got a great guest for you, but before we get into that, I want to just cover a little bit of housekeeping, a little bit of information. As a, those of you that have reached out to us and joined the Facebook group, appreciate you being there and getting involved. If you have questions within the Facebook group, make sure you take the time to reach out to us and ask. And if you're not comfortable asking those questions in a group format, then just reach out to me individually. Shoot me an instant message or whatever through Facebook or drop an email over to info at cashflowguys.com. Be happy to reach out and uh, answer your email. And for those of you that don't know, what I've been doing lately to add a little more value to you is in the event you send me a, a question via email, I try to respond with a video email. So you know, I'm a little lazy around the edges and sometimes I like to, instead of typing out a big book and sometimes people don't understand or comprehend it as well when it's written versus in a video format. So I think that's a great way to respond and I've been doing that to add additional value to you. A lot of people, we get a lot of great feedback on that because I can fully explain the answer. And sometimes I have a couple more questions to give you the answer I'm looking for, but uh, we encourage you to reach out if you have questions and we are here to help you. This week... We've got a fellow investor on the on the line with us today. We've got uh, Mark Walker. He's the founder of Luxmana Investments, LLC. Now, Mark is the founder of this company, and their focus is residential and multifamily investments. And Mark was able to go from being a part-time investor with a full-time job in high tech, that's something I need some help with, to someone who quit the corporate rat race in pursuit of his passion, and now he thrives as a multifamily investor a guy after my own heart. Love the multifamily thing. Mark, are you with me? I sure am, Tyler. I'm really thrilled to be here. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. I appreciate it. Um, multifamily, I love that. That means you've done your homework, you've done your research, you've you've transitioned over from the other side, the forbidden side, so to speak. But uh, <laughs> I made that right. switch it, it, myself. <laughs> that's right. It, it took 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 a little time to get here, but you know, I, I love this space. You know, there's lots of ways to make money in real estate, but I'm biased. I think multifamily is the best way. I'm lazy. See, I just figured multifamily is so much easier for me. It's <laughs> that was a lot of my motivation. I'm like, well, hmm. you know, it's it's funny that you say that because uh, a mentor of mine said something really early on. They used to tell me, Mark, the bigger the deal, the easier it is, you know, and it wasn't until I started doing multifamily that that really, truly resonated with me. It does, doesn't it? And it's funny because I multifamily for me, I don't know about you, but it was intimidating when I was a single family guy. I'm thinking, you know, you, when I have to look up at a property, I'm get a little nervous. <laughs> I love that when you have to and, look up. Yeah, and now absolutely. I intentionally look up. <laughs> Big difference. Yep. I'm not absolutely. For, I'm not looking for first floor. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. You've done it once or twice. You see how big that pot of gold can be at the end of the rainbow. So, uh, it, it really is true. You know, the bigger the deal, the easier it is. You know, you're going to spend the same amount of time renovating a, uh, you know, a, a 10 unit apartment that you would, you know, spend renovating a hundred unit apartment. So, yeah, absolutely. Now you had said, we were talking a few minutes here before we got on the uh, recorder, we're talking about escaping the rat race. And of course the audience knows that I've done that, but you've also escaped the rat race. Yeah, yeah, I sure have. You know, my background is I started investing in 2004, uh, just shortly before that, I read that famous book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I, I swear, oh, I, yes. I bet 80 per, I bet 80% of your guests have probably read that book and were inspired by that book, right, Tyler? I hope so. If they haven't, I'm meeting on them every other week to make sure that that's one of the first ones on their list. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, that book really inspired me. So in 2004, my wife and I bought a duplex in South Denver. We owned that for a year or two, and what was really exciting, what really lit a fire underneath us, was that that uh, that first property had a thirty six and a half percent cash on cash return in the first year. Whoa, and, whoa, whoa, whoa! Say that again. Thirty, because uh, people are probably pulling over right now to start taking notes. Thirty six percent cash on cash. Thirty six and a half. <laughs> Did the seller walk out of closing with their hands in the air, saying, "Please don't shoot." <laughs> no, they sure didn't. You know, and and I'll say, you know, back then too, in 2004, it was a little easier because you were able to get interest only loans Correct. on residential stuff. That's a little harder. So, you know, to be completely transparent, that's a little harder to do today. Uh, but that definitely lit a fire underneath me, got me very, very excited about the potential of real estate. So, you know, what ended up happening is I owned that property for a year or two, ended up selling it, had full intention of 1031ing into something else. But, you know, for, you know, uh, multiple reasons, I ended up sitting out the next few years. Right. Well, that turned out to be a blessing in disguise because we all know what happened, oh, right, in the 2008-2009 yeah. timeframe. And... You know, so it was in 2010 that I started to network again and really, you know, want to dive back into real estate. And I met a general contractor and we decided to partner on a couple development deals together. We ended up uh, buying some single family homes in a trendy part of Denver. Right. We scraped those houses to the ground and in their place, we built a three story duplex on each lot. Nice. And we yeah, we ended up uh, selling off each side of the duplex separately. So we did what's called a party well agreement, which allows you to basically split that uh, duplex in half and deed them, deed them separately and sell them off individually. Nice. And, you know, so some of the money from those investments started to come out in the 2011 timeframe. And, you know, I've always been a passive cash flow you know, type investor. Again, I've always had the goal of escaping the rat race. So at this point, I'm still employed at a high tech company. And, uh, so I started buying rental properties. So I bought most of my rental properties in Denver between 2011 and 2014. And towards the end of 2013, I actually bought my first apartment complex, which was 12 units. Nice. Well, around comes, uh, January of 2015. And that's when I escaped the rat race and, uh, I had enough passive income more than enough to pay my pay my bills and support the lifestyle that I wanted to live. So I decided to walk away. Now, this is something I really want to clarify, Tyler, because I think a lot of people, um, you know, when they think about escaping the rat race, right, I, I did not replace my entire W-2 income. I mean, I was a very high paid 
W-2 employee okay. for a high tech company. Okay. But instead, the way I approached it is long ago when I decided that my goal was going to be to escape the rat race, I, I decided what kind of lifestyle I wanted to live. And I started living that lifestyle right then and there, you know, oh, and by the way too, I'm not cheap. Okay. I mean, right. my wife and I, we, we live a, we, we live well, you know, my, my, my family, we took a one week trip to Disney world down there in your neck of the woods of Florida, you know, uh, a couple of, uh, uh, it was actually back in September in October, my wife, uh, spent 10 days in Paris. Uh, I just got back from Whistler a couple days ago. I went out there and skied for a few days in Whistler, Canada, you know, so we're not cheap, but at the same time, we decided what kind of lifestyle we wanted to live and we started living it. And, uh, once I had enough passive income to, uh, support that lifestyle, uh, two times over. So I raised two, two X, the passive created two X, the passive income to live that lifestyle. Nice. Uh, that's when I decided to exit. So and, let me recoup there real quick. I just want to recover that because I think I, just in case you guys didn't miss it, those of you that are listening is you, you lived smart. You didn't sacrifice necessarily. In other words, you didn't give up your quality of life. You didn't live like a plumber in, on a doctor's income type of situation, but you lived, you lived well, but you lived practically to allow you to accomplish your goals, which was escaping the rat race. So in essence, absolutely. You know, we talk about, I, I host a, I'm a master facilitator of the Cashflow 101 game here in Tampa Bay area. And I teach people that how you escape the rat race is, folks, for those of you that don't remember, we build our passive income until it exceeds our expenses. So if your expenses are low, or in this case, realistic, then it's a much easier, Mark, so you, it's much easier for you to get out because you had realistic expenses. That's right. That's right. And I'll tell you what, too, Tyler, uh, even after leaving the rat race, you know, there's a, and I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe not everyone experiences this or will experience this, but this is something that definitely I did for the first six to 12 months. There was a mental battle going on in my head because for the prior 14 years, I'd been employed at a high tech company and every two weeks, this money just magically appeared in my bank account. <laughs> <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> now, now that's not that I, I get mailbox money too for my rental property. So that still happens. But you know, I, I, I had a rather large sum of money <laughs> magically hitting my bank account, uh, religiously every two weeks, <laughs> you know, uh, for the prior 14 years, my mind was trained to expect that. Exactly. And so for the next six to 12 months, there was a little bit of a mental battle that, that it took me some adjusting to get used to that. So for anyone that aspires to escape the rat race, you think about that and be ready for that when you make the plunge. Yeah, that was a big one for me. I was, I was a government employee. I worked for the federal government and I was union. So I made a ridiculous amount of money and a lot of overtime. Uh, mm -hmm. So <laughs> you're right. I had six months of paid leave when I decided this to come back and, and do real estate. The second act, I call it the second act the second time around. And yeah, man, when that, when that, that guarantee stops coming, I'm looking for that USDA, a direct deposit in my bank account that wasn't there that, that first week. It was a mild state of panic. I'm like, well, what am I panicking about? I don't really need the money. That's right. But I like and having it come in. <laughs> exactly. And I'll tell you what, you know, I, I got over it. You know, it took six to 12 months just to kind of adjust to that. But I'll tell you what, maybe you can attest to this. Nothing, nothing beats the freedom oh, that I have yeah. now that I am financially free. Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. I, I think it was the, the morning after that little shock, I slept in. 
Yes. And guess what? It, it was okay, and nobody was knocking on my door, and I wasn't in any trouble. I didn't have to call in sick. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that about it. Let's talk about the transition from house to apartments, because I imagine that was, for me, it was a challenge initially. I mean, I had a break in, I'll call it a break in service in between the two, but you were in the business going from houses to apartments, and was it that, you know, how long did you kind of look at the apartments going, did, was it kind of a maybe someday type thing, or was it, okay, I'm, I'm done with this trivial stuff, now I'm going to step into the, the big boys? League. Well, yeah, you know, uh, what ended up happening is I have a cousin that's been a 30 year veteran in multifamily. And, you know, during the time that I was building my residential portfolio, uh, he had moved to Colorado and we would get together for lunch maybe every six months and just catch up with each other. And he would talk about what he was doing in multifamily. I would talk about what I was doing in residential, you know, and we'd share our success stories. And, you know, he's, he's big time. He, he, in fact, he just closed a 346 unit apartment complex in mid December. Nice. Uh, he's the real thing for sure. And when I told him that, you know, it's time, I'm going to quit the corporate job and focus, you know, just live financially free and focus on my investments going forward. He said, you know, if you want, why don't you just come job shadow me Nice. and learn how the big stuff goes down. And I thought about that. We talked about that for a little while and I ended up, you know, going and sitting in his office and I spent about eight months just watching how these deals went down because it's very different. The way the banks and the lenders underwrite the properties, I mean, the, the property management structure, everything. I mean, there's so many things that are different. There's a lot of things that are similar, but a lot of things that are different too. And so after sitting in his office for about eight months, I decided to uh, put a 64-unit apartment complex under contract. Right. And I ended up closing that in December of 2015. So less than a year after quitting my job, I bought a 64-unit apartment complex. That's outstanding. Yeah, and, you know, one of the first questions I often get is, well, you didn't have a job. You know, how did that work? You know. (laughs) Well, that's one of the things I love about the commercial space, about the multifamily space, you know, they, they never once asked what my income was. They were more interested in my balance sheet than my experience. There you go. Yeah. And so I did that. I spent the first half of uh, 2016 just renovating that property. My plan was to get the rents from, you know, up to a dollar per square foot per month uh, and ended up by the end of the first year, which was December of 2016, Rents were a dollar ten, nice. so it's always nice when you beat your performa. Now your market, but, everything is in Colorado for you, or are you spread out across the country, or how's that work? Up until this sixty-four uh, unit apartment complex, you know, most of my investments were in Colorado, but I did go to Texas. That sixty-four mm-hmm. units in uh, Dallas, Texas area. So, uh, and that was because. Uh, in fact, we probably all read about it, you know, in the national news. Colorado right now is being compared to some coastal cities where we've seen so such a rise in the real estate market, and that's very heavily supply-driven. Right now, uh, in this market, when properties hit the market, their residential stuff is is under contract in hours. That's crazy. Uh, it, it is crazy. So, hey, that's great because I still own a lot of residential properties here rentals and stuff. But as far as my uh, acquisitions, I'm, I'm looking out of state now. Mark, a lot of people ask me there, you know, they hear, they're hearing Kiyosaki comes on his show and he's talking about 
think the world's coming to an end and the sky's going to fall and to some degree i don't necessarily disagree with him but he's also saying he's saying he doesn't buy real he's not buying real estate right now yet i am i'm sure you are a lot of other people i know that are pretty savvy people are still buying real estate what's your impact on that i mean the market's going up like you just said houses are selling in hours apartment buildings are probably selling in a matter of weeks down in my market you know four five six cap some people actually get excited about that and i'm looking for 10 12 and having to get real creative to put that together to make that happen is there a bad time to invest in your opinion that that's, that sounds like a rather broad statement. You yeah. know, I I I I don't think you know to say bro- broadly, you know, there's there's ever a bad time to invest. I think though you have to do your due diligence. You have to know your numbers, uh, and you have to be diligent. You know, and know where to find the deals, uh, because in in the broader market, yeah, I mean things things feel a little heated right now. What I do is I look for deals specifically that that I can see the unlocked potential in. I know um, ways. I have my ways of unlocking value, right. and so I look for opportunities that that kind of match that. Oftentimes, um, I love value add deals because I can look at you know a property and where it sits today. I can look at what their rents, what they're getting in rent. I can look at the properties that surround it and what they're getting in rent, what their finishes are, and all of a sudden I know exactly what I need to do by comparing it to the properties around it that are getting higher rents, what I need to do to unlock that value. And and I'm I'm assuming that all I'm going to do is uh, make improvements and get the get the rents to uh, a comparable level. To, to those properties. I'm not, I'm not assuming that there's going to be further rent growth or rent increases and things like that. I, I just, I'm looking at that deal. Like, what do I need to do to this deal just to get it to rent for the, the current rents of the properties around it? Does uh, that make sense? Absolutely. So you're, what you're basically doing is you're, you're identifying the, what the needs of the marketplace are based on what's currently available and how other properties may or may not be performing. And then you're, once you identify that need, you simply come up with a solution, let's say another asset, to fill that void. That's right. So that's you're right. not speculating, essentially. You're, you're going in with a, a very calculated, well-thought-out plan and system of doing things, and you're providing a certain product to a client that you've taken the time to identify their needs. I think that's brilliant. That's exactly how it should be done. Right, right. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not building any real estate either. I'm, I'm working, obviously, on existing buildings. Right. And uh, like I said, a lot of what's happening in Colorado is supply driven. You know, eventually supply and demand will balance out. Sure. Again, there's so many ways to make money in real estate, but I choose to do these types of value add deals. It's existing supply. You know, and I'm just improving that existing supply so I can raise the rents, raise the value of that property. There you go. Now you talk about, uh, we all, of course, we've talked about on the show before, and I know that you've, you've talked about this before, and how NOI affects the value. Now, for those of you that don't know, NOI is the net operating income of a property. That's after the bills are paid. So you got your gross rent, you got your vacancy loss, and then you've got your bills coming out, your, your monthly expenses, and whatever's left over is the net operating income before debt service. So can you talk a little bit about how the NOI affects the value or how it's tied to the value and maybe throw in a couple tips of what things that you've done to boost it to make a property more valuable by tweaking that NOI a little bit? Absolutely. And and if you don't mind, let me just give a little bit of background kind of leading up to this because this is one of the things I love about uh, multifamily deals, especially larger multifamily deals in the commercial space. You know, the way a residential property 
is a valued, uh, a residential property is worth whatever someone's willing to pay for it. Amen. And that is uh, evidenced by the very way those properties are uh, appraised. You know, an appraiser comes out to your, your personal residence, they walk through, and then they go back to their office and they pull the sales comps. They look at the property down the street that just sold three months ago. They look at the other property, you know, on the next block over and what that sold for a month ago. And they say, okay, these are the comparable sales in the property, um, in the area. And uh, they do a kind of a amenity or a feature comparison and make some adjustments. And they say, therefore, your house is worth this. It's called the sales comparable appraisal approach. Uh, but the way that uh, commercial properties are appraised is based on the income method. What you just described uh, very well, the net operating income, the value of the property is a is a multiple of that net operating income and the cap rate. Now, here's what cap rate is. Cap rate is what that particular type of asset in a, any given geographic area will trade for. So like, for example, in Texas, right now, C-class apartments you know, in what I'd call like a, a, a B-class area, will trade for anywhere between a 6 and a 7% cap rate. So, you know, if you know what the net operating income is of a property, it's pretty easy to determine generally what the value of that property is sure. <clears throat> using that, that general cap rate. What I love about this, about multifamily, is that if I increase my net operating income, then I am forcing the appreciation of that property. And you can't do that with residential properties because oh, of the way they're appraised. <laughs> yeah. You know, with that said, when I take over a property, um, my goals or my objectives in the first year are very straightforward and simple. I want to increase income and I want to decrease expenses. Now, the ways to, in the ways to increase income are simple, right? Uh, you do interior improvements. You improve the apartments. You know, what I do to do that is I typically go in and apply a very standard finish, you know, usually upgrade the flooring, right. usually go in and upgrade the light, the lighting fixtures, make those more modern, uh, upgrade the plumbing fixtures as well. Just give it a real nice facelift, fresh paint on the walls uh, and things like that. Uh, another huge thing that at least recently has resulted in very high ROI, the appliances. Uh, the 64 unit property that I bought had uh, every single unit, the appliances were at least 20 years old. Oh my, the wood grain front with the biscuit, <laughs> almond biscuit. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. That was this property. I went in and I put in brand new black appliances in addition to all the other finishes I talked about. Right. And, you know, I was getting 125 $200 rent increases, wow. you know, after applying this finish inside the interiors. That's strong. So that, yeah. So that's, 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 that's a way to increase the income. Now let's not neglect the expenses either because there are ways to maybe renegotiate the trash contract or in the state of Texas, you can actually choose your electric provider, you know? And so you can actually negotiate uh, a more attractive electric rates and things like that. But one of the things I love the most because it helps the environment, but it also uh, helps you, your bottom line, and it helps your, your residents is water conservation. And what that is, is that is uh, we went into every single unit, we replaced every single toilet on the property to be uh, high efficiency flush toilets, replaced plumbing fixtures. So we, uh, we would put in low flow plumbing fixtures, everything from shower heads to faucets and things like that. 
Uh, long story short, uh, in the first year, we've saved over 2 million gallons of water at the property. Wow. That has decreased the water expense. Uh, but at the same time, I bill back for water to my residents. I was, I was only billing back about 70% uh, of the water prior to implementing the water conservation. And that was more of an issue because it would have just been outrageous, you know, to, to charge the residents anymore. We would not have been competitive in the area. Right. But after doing water conservation, I was actually able to uh, increase the amount of bill back, but also decrease the amount that my residents have to pay every single month for water. So it was a win, 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 a win for the environment, a win for me and a win for my residents. That's absolutely brilliant. I, I need to, that's, I wrote that one down because I mean, I'm going to put that into play in my buildings. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Save I, some, save some money and do some good for the environment at the same time. Well, you know, it's, it, I'm glad you brought up that we talked about the NOI piece because I, it's very easy to overlook the expenses. Even when we play the cash flow one-on-one game at some of my events is the people often forget all about their expenses because the guys, if you want to get out of the rat race, you know, one of the ways to do it, obviously, is to build passive income. But the other way is to reduce your expenses. Owning apartments is no different. You, it's great to get high rents, but if you're not adding some value to the tenants, well, guess what? They're going to leave. When they leave, you've actually decreased your NOI because you've increased your vacancy rate. So doing things like this to lower your expenses, you picked up. If you eliminated that, that uh, you were only billing back 70% of the water, which means you're eating 30% of it coming out of your expenses. And when you reduce that, that's a huge win. For you as the, as the owner and of course obviously it's a benefit for a lot of your tenants as well so that's awesome now how long does, do you figure it usually takes you to and i know this is probably a very general question but to recover the cost of plumbing improvements with the savings is it a year or is it five years how what's that look like well uh the amount of um water and the decrease in the bills that we've seen has been about uh about 40 percent on average you know it, it fluctuated in the first year um it probably went between 40 and 43 percent but let's just call it 40 percent so what is that that's a two and a half year Correct. uh recoup right there that's still so, that's quick not bad at all yeah and when it comes to the appliances you know i'd say if i had to give a dollar amount just for the increase in the uh, rent that I got for the appliances, it was at least $50, you know, because there were even some units that we would renew a lease and, you know, at the new market rate and, uh, you know, we'd go in and we would just replace the appliances and it was easily $50 just there alone. The appliance package was, I call it $1,100 right. for $50 more per month. That's 600. So, you know, make the math easy. That's a, you know, 50% ROI Nothing wrong in the with first that. year. Two years, you, you recoup all that money back. Nothing wrong with that. So, I did uh, nothing wrong at all. Yeah, yeah. I see. That's beautiful. That's the thing, and that's the thing that a lot of people miss. Is but, ladies and gentlemen, and, and Mark, please interrupt me if I'm if if you don't think that I'm accurate with this statement. Is the ability to add value is very important when you're acquiring a multifamily property or any property for that matter. When you're especially going to hold it for cash flow. That said, be very careful that you don't reward the seller by overpaying the, for the property. And a lot of people do this. Well, they pay based on what it will do. And I'm seeing this a lot in my markets than the two markets I, I play in. That the people are, they're so deal hungry that they're overpaying for these properties, essentially rewarding the seller, the current owner of the property for doing a less than uh, excellent job maintaining and managing the asset. So right now your value add is diminished because you gave all that, a lot of that value to the seller. So. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I think that is a really important point, and I completely agree with it. Yeah, in this crazy market, that's 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 what we're seeing. Yeah, the the sellers, you know, because the everyone is so desperate for a deal. Yeah. Uh, combined with the fact that you know real estate's just hot right now, people are overpaying for stuff, and they're paying for value that you have to create. Yes. Yes. You know, and that that that's just not right. I'll tell you, my deal flow would probably be a lot higher if I was willing to pay for value that I had not yet created, but I'm just not one of those guys willing to do that. So, you know, but that's okay. Cause I'm not desperate for a deal either, but, well, but I, I definitely look for opportunities to unlock value and I'm, I'm going to be the one to benefit from that. Well, yeah. And the difference is, is that you're going to be the guy that stays in retirement instead of the guy that winds up, you know, writing offer, offering themselves back out of retirement. Cause you can get out of the rat race right. just as quick as you, you know, or get in the rat race again, as quick as you got out, ask me how I know. <laughs> uh, been down that road, had to get myself out more than once, but I'm out for good now, but that's a whole other story awesome. for another day, but that's outstanding. And I, I appreciate you taking the time today to, uh, to cover this out. How you hit some important, important points here that I know the listeners are probably going to want a little bit more information. They're, they're probably going to want to hear more. And I remember you saying something about a free gift for our yeah. listeners. What's that look like? Yeah. Absolutely. Just as a way of saying, Hey, thank you for listening. I've written a guide. It's called 10 not so obvious ways to boost your multifamily property NOI. And whether you are an existing multifamily owner, whether it be small apart up small, uh, multifamily or large multifamily, or whether or not maybe you're just interested in someday pursuing, you know, um, a larger multifamily deal, check this out. You know, there'll, there'll be something in there that you can benefit from. Uh, these are things I've learned along my journey acquiring apartments and repositioning them. And so uh, to get that, uh, just go to uh, my website, which is www.luxmana.com forward slash cash flow guys. Awesome. And Luxmana again is spelled L-U-X-M-A-N-A.com forward slash cash flow guys. And then if people want to reach you directly, they can just go to the luck, just leave off the cash flow guys. If they have questions or whatnot as for it, they can go right through your website and get to you that way. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Definitely. And ladies and gentlemen, those of you listening, I'm going to put out the, uh, all of the links that he's provided here, this one being one of them. And of course his, uh, social media links and whatnot out to, to you in the show notes. So if you want to reach out to him directly or add him on, uh, follow him on Facebook or bigger pockets or anything like that, by all means, click on that, like share and whatever. And I thank you for providing that, that the value it, uh, it's great to see when people are, I, that's why I have guests on my show because I went through this struggle early on. Do I bring guests on or do I just do it myself? And I'm very careful about who I bring on my show because I want to make sure that there is exceptional value and you've definitely done that today. So I really well, appreciate I, I you pre taking the time for that. Well, I really appreciate it as, as well. And I, I really appreciate the opportunity as well. So I've enjoyed it. All right, Mark. Well, thanks again for coming. And ladies and gentlemen, just to, to recap here, we're going to talk today about looking at different ways to, number one, escape the rat race. But more importantly, how, once you are doing deals, how to get your NOI up. So we're going to put some more information about that in the show notes. There will be a link to Mark's gift there on, in the show notes. Make sure you click on that link and register. One of the great ways that I learn a lot of what I've done over the years is by getting a lot of these informational emails. This is powerful stuff. It's put out to you. There's no absolute, no cost whatsoever. So you might as well take advantage of it because if you have an opportunity to learn, why would you turn it down? And just to, to summarize for this week, I appreciate you taking the time to come out with us this week. And if you have more questions about anything that we've talked about or whatnot, you know how to reach out to Mark. 
And if you want to reach out to me, you're getting, you're, you're stuck. You're not sure which way to turn, trying to figure out which education you should focus on, what you need to invest in, things like that. By all means, get on my calendar by going to cashflowguys.com forward slash ask Tyler. That's cashflowguys.com forward slash ask Tyler. That will be in the show notes as well. And it gives you an opportunity to get on my schedule, give you 30 minutes. We'll talk on the phone, see if we can get you unstuck. And that wraps it up for this week. And we will see you next week and spend this week learning to earn. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.